episode, Ryan Dezingle of the Cosper Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. Just got to apologize right off the bat as um, in the tail end of a pretty bad cold, so probably will sound a bit nasally, uh, but I wanted to get this episode out as, as soon as I could. But anyway, with me today is official friend of the show and the second person to be a three-timer, it's Craig Smith. Craig, how's it going? Good, Trevor. How you doing, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, so everyone knows why you're you're here today, and that's to discuss the draft. Obviously, you're the the prospect guy, and the draft happened on Friday and Saturday. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, you know, I was hoping there'd be a, a trade or two to discuss as well at the draft, but that's how it goes. Sometimes they didn't they didn't do anything. Um, I guess, but you can you can give Pierre Dorian an, an A plus for trying, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a great uh, that was a great quote. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> an odd one. But uh, anyway, um, so so the Sens had only four picks on Friday and Saturday. But uh, should should we get into the picks then? Yeah, let's get it rolling. All right. So um, just wanted to go through each each player individually. Um, it's not like there's a, a ton of picks to talk about anyway. So um, first up was Shane Bowers at uh, 28th overall. What do you think of that pick? Uh, sort of a mixed bag on that one, I guess. Um, as far as it's a safe pick, uh, right. Shane's going to be an, Shane's going to be an NHL player. Whether he's going to be a top six player is that's where the debate comes in. So Curtis Lazar is the infamous guy. Uh, he's a very Curtis Lazar type pick. Uh, he's a good average player. He's got a half decent shot. He's a, probably his best attributes is skating. But then you get into the intangibles and that's where Ottawa loves players is the intangibles and that's why they took Shane Bowers is his intangibles. Yeah, I... Man, you bring up Curtis Lazar's name and like I, I just... People are not going to like that. And I remember seeing um, that the comparable that uh, Sportsnet gave was Brandon Sutter and I guess that's sort of like a, a similar player you know like a, a safe third line center kind of guy and I don't know I guess I guess they have been sort of picking those sort of guys recently um, I'm not totally sure why maybe we can get into that a bit later but um, yeah is, is there anything specifically more uh, you see in Bauer is like um, just just anything interesting about his game or yeah he's should when they say Curtis Lazar that's obviously sort of the negative side of it he's he is i he's offensively projects to be better than curtis lazar his five on five his five on five production is good um shot rate is decent um it's not great um but it's good for ushl uh so there are some positives there uh he's got i guess a poor man's colin white if you want to look at it that way he's got a lot of similar attributes to him as far as getting in the dirty areas getting in front of the net you know, Ottawa always says they need more of that, so maybe he's going to help. Maybe he can help on that power play eventually, but with Shane Bowers, he's probably three, four years away. He's not going to be coming in anytime soon, so I'll be interested to see more of the skill set on him this weekend at the development camp. Yeah, definitely. Um, that'll be interesting to see. I, I know I know. two years ago, I was not really loving the, the Colin White pick, and I'm not really loving this pick either, but at the same time, I mean, White, um, you know, just six seven eight months later white changed my mind he you know he was really impressive in his first season in college so maybe bowers can do that again um boston university he's going to i believe and they're normally pretty good right so i'm assuming um you know maybe maybe he has a pretty good uh first freshman season so you never know 
No, it's it's that's a good point. Like the going to the Boston University is going to be a nice thing for them. They do generally populate some good players. The one thing in the comparison to Colin White. Again, um, Colin White did have better offensive numbers yep. and was playing mono that entire year. So yeah. it's, again, poor man's Colin White, sort of in between Colin White and Curtis Lazar, I think is where you can expect him. I think his, I think upside for him is a good third liner, which there's nothing wrong with. Um, but we'll get into the strategy aspect of it later on. But it's yep. that's the only downside for me. I don't have any issues with the player. I like the player. He's going to be a good NHL player. And he'll play for a long time but it's just the upside is not his ceiling it's a low ceiling high floor right and for sure and and like you mentioned we we can get into that after that um after we go through all the picks so at um i believe 47 it was in their second round pick that uh, from calgary they took um alex fermentin from london uh what do you see in him well i think everybody knows at this point if you've been if you're listening to this you've probably heard the guy's a speed demon mm-hmm. uh speed 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 that is his game um i never remember the name of the guy but he always reminds me of the kid from mighty ducks that goes really fast and can't <laughs> stop <laughs> um if he figures out how to grow into that speed he'll be fantastic uh he's got a pretty nice little sneaky release on his shot which is good so again if he can learn how to handle the puck with that speed improve his agility you'll be a good player um, I was talking with one guy, um, and it was kind of funny. We were talking about how the, the idea of actually a Colin White, Shane Bowers, and Formington eventual kind of shutdown line as a third line is hmm. a kind of a really neat idea. Obviously, that's years down the road, but those are three players that could just be a uh, very strong possession line for the centers down the road, provide some offense, not top end offense, but it's kind of interesting on that side. The, yeah, other thing with, the other thing with Alex, uh, maybe this year in London, sort of like Cliff Boo, uh, he was buried, especially in the playoffs. He had zero points in the playoffs. Yeah, I was going to mention not, that. <laughs> which is not good. Um, but after they added Salaturo and Sorelli and everything else, they were loaded up front. So his ice time dropped pretty significantly. I think he was down to about 12 minutes a game. Um, he'd still still like to see a point in 14 playoff games, but he was buried and his opportunities were limited there and his role changed so maybe this year he'll get a better opportunity and if he can show an increase I think he was about 5.52 points per game if he can show a significant increase in that then you know uh, some some positives there yeah you know I whenever I see a prospect from from London I think you always have to um, adjust upwards a bit if if they are like a, a third or fourth line guy just because they're always so stacked right like they they probably have at least four or five guys getting drafted every single year so I think you're right um he'll probably get a bigger role next season and it, it's funny like every every everything that people have said about this this guy is I just think Ryan Dezingle every single time and you know Dezingle never really put up tons of points um I, I blanking on where where he he came from but um wherever he came from and you know he's he's a speed guy he's not known for his finish so that's that's sort of what what I think. Do you do you think he's going to be sort of like that second third line tweener if he actually makes the NHL level? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I it's if you want to go back, it's I could see him turning into like the um, John Madden, Todd Marchand, Jason Chimera sort of guy, right? Yeah. Uh, 
just because he doesn't have that elite skill set. He doesn't have that projection to be an offensive guy, um, which is a big theme throughout the Sens draft. But it's I think they found another guy that's going to play in the league at some point. It's going to be a while. Um, hopefully he gets some more time handling a puck and he grows into everything. But he's going to be, yeah, he'll be a good player. Right. And, and, and I'm not against taking guys who are super fast, so I, I don't – I mean, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's, it's all right. So no. uh, with, with their fourth-round selection, they took uh, Drake Batherson from Cape Breton. Yeah, Batherson's a late bloomer. Uh, he had a huge growth spike over about a year and a half. He went from a tiny little guy to a slightly average to maybe slightly above-average guy. Um, so his again, uh, he's a guy whose offensive production is not there. Statistical profile does not project out very high. Uh, the hope with him uh, is that this late bloom continues and that he is continuing to develop, even though he's an older player, an overage player. So that's what you're hoping for with him. Uh, he probably of all of the of the three guys has the most skill. Uh, so again, with the offensive production, he. I don't want to say he's got the most upside there, but uh, it wouldn't shock a lot of people, I guess, if he, down the road, was able to provide something offensively. I mean, okay, that, that, that's a bit encouraging to see because it is, it is interesting. Well, I don't know if interesting is right, the right word, but just looking at his, his uh, prospect profile page, and it's, you know, like you said, he, he was undrafted last year. Like, he was actually eligible to be drafted, didn't get taken, and you know he had slightly under a point per game in the QMJHL, which which doesn't look great. I mean that's the, the most offensive league out of the three in the CHL. So, I mean just from that perspective, it's not great. But then again, like you said, he's going through this growth spurt. I'm not a scout. I don't know anything really. So I mean hopefully, you know Ottawa saw something that that we didn't. And um, yeah, I mean hopefully he's just a late bloomer. Yeah, I was um, speaking of the Q and their the points. So actually on Twitter was just uh, had a quick back and forth with Jack Hahn and he mentioned that Rod Volman's actually downgraded the Q in his prospect profiling hmm. just because it hasn't been a good couple of years for a Q uh, as terms of prospects and s- skill in that league so um, something I've got to look into a little bit more uh, it's interesting to note but sometimes maybe the statistical projections are actually a little bit higher so hmm. something to note I think it's always funny watching um, Thomas Shabbat highlight reels or, or gifts or whatever. Just watching the defenseman just ab- just stand still, not even do anything. Shabbat goes through the entire team. It looks like they're just like midget house players or something. Yeah, it's well what Kale McCarr looks like playing against you and yeah. I in June. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. Not good. Um, so anyway, and, and finally in the sixth round they took go- uh, goalie Jordan Hollett from. Uh, he's going to be playing uh, in Medicine Hat next season. Yeah, so he'll be the starter in Medicine Hat or competing for the starting role, expected to be the starter. Uh, he was the backup in Regina last year. Um, so it's a good opportunity for him. Uh, reached out to a scout out in the Western League scout just to touch base because obviously I haven't seen much of him. He um, says he's got backup upside. So um, maybe a starter in the AHL, come in for filler, but a long-term project. He's a big goalie, which is what you like to see nowadays. Uh, he's good. He tracks well. He's athletic. I guess it's just 
I don't know, tech, some minor technical tweaks that he needs to make, but he has some upside. Um, that's another one we'll get into after as far as picks, but um, I guess they really wanted to walk away out of this draft with a goalie, so all this guy. Right. I mean, I, I am glad that they did take a goalie, um, and I mean, it's hard to ask to get a, a you know a decent prospect in the sixth or seventh round, although Ottawa has done well in that regard recently, yeah. but I mean... Man, that's not that's not great hearing that you know upside's a backup because I mean really you can find backups anywhere so it's I mean you hope that 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 he can improve and you hope that with any prospect but it's uh, not the most glowing of of reviews. No, but big and athletic is a good thing, especially yeah. now he's with goalies. Um, yep. Ottawa's got a good goalie coach. Um, <laughs> even though some of the goalies recently haven't developed, I don't think that's his fault. Um, some of the goalies that have had the skill of good, again, with I'm really interested to see how Hogberg's uh, progression has come with some of the technical issues he had last year. So he'll be at the right. camp this year, see if his hands are high up and stuff like that. But um, the sense goalie coach is good. I trust what, you know, everything he's ever mentioned or talked about and just guys like O'Connor and the failures in the recent, uh, recent history, I don't think are a result of that. They're just flawed players that weren't able to progress. Right, yeah, that's fair, and, and I think even if uh, even if Hallett isn't really that that good of a pick, he's a he's a good local BC boy, so I I have to like it by default. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after after all is said and done, though, um, what are your thoughts on on Ottawa's draft strategy and and how well they did this year? Well, they went with the safe route because yep. they only had four picks uh, because it was touted as a weaker draft. So they wanted to try and walk away with NHL players out of the draft. My personal philosophy is swing for the fence on every pick. Um, such a small percentage of picks are going to work out. Try and find those picks and make them work. With the Senators, they're generally always going safe. And it's kind of funny that the times where they step away from their regular mindset of these character, defensive, uh, gritty players is where they strike gold. Carlson, Shabbat are the two perfect examples. This, uh, Jonathan Dolan, who unfortunately not with the team anymore, <laughs> that's another example. Yeah. So those are three three guys that have sort of broke the mold of their draft picks and look like they're headed towards well, with Shabbat and Dolan towards great success, and obviously Carlson's well speaks for himself. But so it's kind of funny that they don't want to swing for the fence a little bit more. I guess they've been burned by some in the past, but I'd love to see them just take some more chances and just draft guys that have skill or just, you know, have great offensive or uh, their statistical profiles are a lot higher, uh, even if maybe they didn't have a great interview or if they're not willing to muck it up or whatever it is, um, or they don't like their size. Just love to see them take a little couple more chances. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said there. I mean, the only, really, the draft is really one of the only place where you can get these top end guys and you know, you know, at, at 28, you probably aren't gonna get a first line center. That's just how it goes. Oh well, but you might as well try and strike gold, right? Um, yep. th there's there's gonna be a few of them that are that are in the late first round, and I, I just I just don't get it. Like if you, I mean, they didn't draft anybody who profiles as like you know a fourth line grinder or something, but there are a few teams that did. And I just find that so pointless. Like you can sign a guy like that any any season for a million dollars or whatever. And you know, if, if Ottawa 
if Ottawa thinks Bowers is going to be a third-line center, I, I, I just don't really understand the logic there because, sure, he might be a, a, a surefire thing, but, I mean, you can you can get a guy like that for a second-round pick or whatever, like any any given season. So, I mean, Ottawa, they, they really lack that... Uh, that upside on forward. They have Carlson on, on defense, who's obviously the best, probably like the third best player in the entire league. Um, but up front, it's really, you know, guys who are just pretty decent. You know, Stone and Hoffman are like on the on the edge of that like true elite level. I mean, like they're really, really good, but they're not quite up at the top. Um, and I just think they're really missing that. And, and it, it's showing in the, in, the, in the drafts in the past decade. Um, yeah, and those are... Yeah. Well, Stone Hoffman are two other guys that had um, their statistical profiles were pretty good. Stone's draft year was not great, but no. um, he put up 100 points the following his D1 and D2 year. And Hoffman was a great uh, had 92 points I think in his uh, um, in his draft year. So that's another guy that you know good skater, good shot, big production numbers. That's a guy they took a chance on. That's a guy that yeah panned exactly. Those guys don't sneak through as much as anymore as they used to, um, but those are the kind of guys they got to be looking for. And like you said, like they just signed Tommy Pye at two years and a million dollars, and they took Alex Formanton in the second round. Yeah, kind of the same guy. It's um, so yeah, where you could have maybe taken a chance on a on another guy who might turn into the Hoffman or turn into the Stone or turn into a Carlson, versus oh, I think we got our next Tommy Pye at. Well, you already got last year we had three extra Tommy Pyatt sitting in the in the press box during the playoffs. So. Yeah. And, and I think it's it's a bit disappointing because 2015 was a pretty solid draft. Like you mentioned earlier, they got Shabbat. Um, White was a bit of a safer pick. I still think he can be a, a pretty decent player. Um, they got Dolan last year, and now he's gone, whatever. <laughs> um, and, you know, they got guys like LeJoie and, I guess, Schlopik, stuff like that. So those were decent drafts, and then this year just, I don't know, it seems a bit underwhelming, that's all. Yeah, well, even in 2016 with the Logan Brown pick, that's another guy that um, sort of goes towards the safe side. Like um, Chitrin, who I guess, if you want to call him the risky pick at that point, um, but that's the guy that, you know, you take the chance on, and he's already played. Um, Looks like a lot of people may have misjudged his defensive inadequacies. And excuse me, the idea of him, Shabbat, and Carlson is pretty fantastic. Um, but instead, we got Logan Brown, who's just a giant, giant question mark right yeah. now. Yeah, is, is just chicken shoot right or left? Uh, at the top of my head, I believe it's right. But let me look real quick. Yeah, I'm not. I can't remember off the top of my head with him, but he was he was a guy that dropped because of his defensive defensive deficiencies. Right. Like everybody the skating was there, the puck mobility was there, all the stuff that everybody wants nowadays. Um, but for whatever reason, people passed on the other stuff, and that's not that you can always just say you can teach the the defensive side, but um, he shoots left. Okay. So. Yeah, so maybe so he, they wouldn't they wouldn't have necessarily had room for him, but that still does hurt. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's but you know they probably would have sent him back to junior versus yeah. what Arizona did. So it's which I don't think is the wrong move by any means. Um, he's a big kid. He's physical. He can. Ha- he's got the strength to handle the pro game. But just a, a just an example of taking a chance. 
Definitely. Um, so y- you obviously didn't really love the Senators' picks, um, the first two. But who who would you have taken at number twenty eight or number forty seven if you had the chance instead of uh, Bowers or Formenton? Well, twenty eight. I like the actually next three picks. Yoka Hairu, and it's really fun to say. Uh, <laughs> but he's a he's another one of those sort of new age defensemen. Uh, unbelievable skater, great mobility, great puck moving, good hockey sense. Love taking as many of those guys as you can. Um, even if he turns into Quayson or Weidman, I'd rather have the defensive depth than the offensive depth. That's just me. Uh, Eli Tolvanen, whose shot rates in the USHL were off the charts, uh, like five shots a game for, <laughs> or five shots. Like it's, and he's a pure, pure sniper. Um, he's got, I guess, lots of character issues, um, which people aren't excited about. So that's why. And then you have Klim Kostin, the Russian, who at the start of the year um, was looking like a top five pick, top 10 pick and just slid, 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 slid. Rush Ottawa doesn't really like taking Russians, but <laughs> it's one of those things that may have, you know, take the chance. Um, those are the three guys that I liked. Again, just those three players to me have a much higher upside than Shane Bowers. Um, right. Floor is probably lower on them, but I want the highest the highest ceiling when I'm going into a draft. So those are the guys. Connor Timmins, I like. Nick, If you wanted to take a safer guy, Nicholas Hogg even. And then the one guy who's a, more of a project, um, but is his draft minus two year and then his draft year, or his draft minus one year, uh, Jason Robertson out of Kingston. Put up over 40 goals this year with Kingston. Uh, he's a big kid. He's really smart got that sort of Mark Stone-esque quality to him um, mm-hmm. because he's not a good skater. He has to be smarter than everybody else to get in an open space, and he is. Um, I think his skating is fixable. Talk to a couple scouts who agree with that as well. Um, he need, he's got a big frame, but he's kind of lanky, so he can add some strength, improve the first three steps. He could be a, he could be an absolute steal for Dallas in that second round. So he's a guy that I think would have been a nice pick there as well. And probably fit more in towards the senator sort of mold of uh, size and character and defensive game right. things like that. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. There, there's definitely a lot of guys um, that they could have taken. There's definitely a lot of guys that I, I was, I was interested interested in. Just you know, I'm not I'm obviously not a scout or anything, but um, that that had good profiles. Um, you mentioned a few guys. Uh, Robertson, Hogg, Connor Timmins, um, even uh, Michael DiPietro was still there. He was uh, went to the Canucks in the second round. Um, yep. One guy, um, Lind also went to the Canucks, didn't he? Right, uh, Cole Lind. Yeah, Cole Lind. Yeah, even uh, if you wanted to go goalie route, Yoko Pekka Luka, Lukanen. Yeah. Um, Finnish goalie, like. Um, and then. Take a chance on one of those guys. I'd have a hard time in the first round. I'm convinced that if Odinger had fallen, they would have taken him that 28. Yeah, yeah. which is yeah, fun. And then what about, um, I think he went just before Ottawa picked at 47, uh, Jesper Bokvist. Bokvist. Um, I think he was on Dolan's team as well, I think, I believe. In the first round or the second round? He was in the second round. Oh, sorry. He was in like the uh, low 40s, I think. Okay, I, Robin Salo went just before, which is the guy that I was hoping was going to fall. That, yeah. that kind of made me upset when he snuck in there. But in the second round, um, 
I think yes, yeah, there he is. Yeah, yes, yeah, Jesper. That was the guy you were you were suspecting they were going to take. Yeah, he yeah, went to thirty six. Yeah. yeah, who did so he, he go to? Six. Pardon? Which team did he go to? Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. Because yeah. he he um he had one of the better um I can't remember what the what it's called, but uh, Canucks Army has like a oh their seal the seal adjusted. Yeah, yeah, seal, yeah, like the, a way yeah. of ranking all their all their points and stuff, and he was really highly rated. Um, along with Elias Pettersson, so I was interested in getting him, but Ottawa could not. So I don't know. I mean, there there was definitely a ton of good options there, and I I was just kind of underwhelmed with with what they ended up with. Yeah, the second round they got a little unlucky. Um, yeah, they did. What fell to them, like um, the guys we already talked about, Alexi Heponini or Heponimi, uh, out of uh, he played for Swift Current. That was another guy. Uh, the one sort of Grant mismatch from the U.S. national team was a guy I was looking at for them. That would have been nice. Uh, Jonah Gadovich out of Owen Sound. So there's a couple guys that fell afterwards. Even if you wanted to go really high upside, I'm not a big fan of his, but Maxime Comtois. Um, so there's some guys that, again, had, a, I think, a much higher ceiling uh, than Formanton, but, um, and probably even a higher floor, to be honest, with some of those later picks. But... Uh, they kind of just went the safe road again. Yeah, it's funny. Like every year, there's there's usually like maybe I don't know five to even maybe ten prospects that I sort of I sort of fall in love with and hope that Ottawa really takes them, and they never do. Um, I, I mean, Shabbat actually was one of them. I I was actually hoping they would take him, so I was I was glad with that. But then again, I remember in 2012, I I wanted I wanted Ottawa to get either. CC or Olimata, so I mean that didn't really work out there. So <laughs> would have been bad either way. So I mean, don't always go with with what I want, I guess. <laughs> no, but you get it's it happens, right? You get enamored with guys because you see you see the numbers, you see the skills, and that's yeah. what you want. And it's they're exciting players, and as hockey fans, we want exciting players, right? We want yeah, that's I'd rather have a whole team of guys with speed and stuff than a bunch of lumbering guys playing one three one all the time i guess but um at least ottawa's got a you know they got a half decent they got some good speed guys which makes things exciting now but yeah 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 i mean it, it's just if they if they win the cup they might win every single game one to nothing that's all so exactly <laughs> um so this may be a tough question to answer so soon after the draft um but do you have any sense of where these four prospects would fit in the rankings of the senators prospects well probably at a pretty high up which is kind of painful to say um only because i guess well white and shabbat still technically qualify as prospects at this point but they're gonna obviously gonna graduate this year yeah so with dolan being gone uh you got logan brown uh you got schlopik you got francis Perrault, and then not a whole lot so i'd probably sneak them in maybe Bowers would sneak in between Schlappick and Perrault at this point um with a chance to jump ahead of Schlappick but excuse me um they're probably sneaking in between there and then everybody else um kind of intertwines it's on for Hallett it's there's not a lot of competition on the goalie side so I'm still a Decord fan. We've talked about him a bunch of times, um, so I'd probably slide him in behind there. Um, so maybe third, maybe third in the prospect rankings for goalies at this point, um, with Hogberg being number one. But yeah, there's not a lot 
right now. So yeah. So I mean, would like would Formington and um, and Batherson be like mid teens or like like high teens sort of? I mean, or would in they the be even higher? No, probably in the probably close to 10, 12, I yeah, guess. So that high. Uh, yeah, it's again. I just I'm not. I don't think there's a lot coming, right? Like yeah. Harper, I don't consider a uh, a prospect anymore. Um, Nick Paul, I I think he's a third, fourth line guy. Um, yeah, maybe not <laughs> anymore. So, I guess taking the unknown, the new shiny thing, and putting them in above the unknown right now is kind of where I'm leaning a bit. Um, just because Formington with his speed, uh, I think he's got a chance to be there because they're just going to be, it's kind of hard to ignore the speed aspect with him. Um, Christian Yaros, I guess he's there. You got England trying to think, uh, Gabriel Gagne. He's, uh, yeah, there's like, they're probably in that 10 range. Like, uh, yeah, Shabbat Brown, Hogberg, England, Yaros, Gagne. Yeah. They're going to be in that 10 range. Well, well, I think where where they rank and how good this system looks depends on if you are ranking, um, if you are considering White and Shabbat prospects still, and obviously they'll they'll lose their eligibility pretty soon. I think Shabbat will will be with the team for at least most of the year, and and White maybe like I'm gonna say I think White's gonna be like maybe like a third of the season. But would you would you agree with that or? I would like I like to think they're both going to start the year with the team. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I guess see how free agency pans out. But it looks like they're trying to shed salary, so uh, wouldn't surprise me if they're trying to fit if those guys are in right now, um, as like penciled into the starting lineup. So. Yeah, I I can I I don't know. I just feel like they're going to add another forward, and then White will be the odd man out at least at least for you know the first part of the season. But. Um, <laughs> But but anyway, I, I was going to say that your opinion of the system could really change if you're including those two guys or not. And, um, you know, I, let's just segue into the next point then. Because um, we were talking last year about how the 2015 and 2016 drafts were, were solid enough that the farm system had been stocked, stocked um, to make it pretty decent again. And then how do you feel about that one year later um, after – the draft that they just had. Well, they lost. They lost him. I guess Dolan's not a blue chip, but um, he's definitely a top prospect. So losing Dolan, who is your third best prospect, hurts. Um, well, court, I think he was the third best prospect. Some people may put Logan Brown ahead of him, or even Schlopik or other things. But to me, he was the third best prospect behind Shabbat and White. Um, Shabbat and White are two blue chip guys so the entire system ranking depends on if you're again and technically they are still rookies they haven't played so they're prospects so they keep the the system ranking at a good level because you're getting i think a top pairing defenseman and you're getting a top six forward so um i think a, a elite third line center um depending on how they and he ends up playing with colin white i think he's 
needs a chance to play on the power play in front of the net. I think he could solve a lot of issues for the centers with their weak power play, kind of doing the Wayne Simmons type thing in front of the net. He's unbelievable with his hips and his pivoting and body positioning in front of the net. So I'd love to see him get the chance. But after that, Schlopik, I think, is a bottom six guy, maybe an occasional fill-in in the top six if the injuries get really bad. Um, Francis Perrault had a rough year, uh, which disappointed me last year uh, in Binghamton. So hopefully you can pick it up in Belleville this year and kind of get back on track. But I know he was buried in the lineup, but that was kind of disappointing. So kind of knocked him down a bit to me. But yeah, the system's probably in the bottom 10 of the league without Shabbat and White. So if you take when they graduate and the guys that are left there right now, uh, it's going to drop the system right down into the bottom of the league as far as rankings. Right, and and I think um, once they do leave, it's it's not that huge of a deal um, if Ottawa is you know like twenty fifth um, farm system in the league if those two guys are real NHL contributors because that's really what they need. I mean, if Shabbat ends up being a first first pairing defenseman and can play with Carlson and replace Mathot and, and White can be you know a third line center and a power play specialist, then it it doesn't really matter that they have a subpar farm system if if Ottawa is actually a, a decent team. So, you know, I think um, they definitely need to hit on a few guys, particularly those two. Um, like, definitely if guys like Hogberg and, I don't know, Jaros, Englund, Perron, if those guys can develop, that's, that's huge because they really don't have a ton. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. The system's definitely been in worse spots than this, so it's not it's not the worst case scenario. No, it's really. not. I think that's. I think that some of the names you just mentioned, you're going to get NHL minutes out of those guys. I think that's all you need to ask for. And like you're right with the if you can get Shabbat and White to be what we're hoping and expect them to be, then it doesn't matter because they're going to make a they're going to help sort of fill that void or take us another step forward as far as progressing the team so it'll be fine definitely and um i guess just to to bring it back what we were talking about earlier i mean i definitely was disappointed that they couldn't get um one of those high upside supposedly high risk uh players in the draft just because it would have made their 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 system a, a bit deeper a bit better um you know because once once they do graduate it's Sorry, uh, once uh, Shabbat and White do graduate, it will be a bit thin. And so, you know, hopefully hopefully we don't give away too many picks, which uh, which is the Brian Murray special. And, and Dorian, I guess, loves doing that too as well. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully in, in the next few drafts, uh, we can restock it like we did in uh, 2015 and 2016. One last question. I'm, I, I tweeted this out uh, on Saturday during the draft, and I find it interesting that Ottawa never – ever trades down like i i don't ever remember that happening like like you know trade their second round pick for say like a later second round pick and like a fifth round pick or something and i find that strange for a team that you know well maybe maybe these aren't two don't have to be connected but you know for for a low budget team you'd think that i guess they would want more picks but i guess not for them um and obviously like it takes two to tango like you need somebody willing to move up but you know, you'd have at least a couple if if you really were interested in that sort of thing. Um, you would just luck into it because somebody would call you. But I guess they're either saying no 
or they're just not really looking for that sort of thing. I think Ottawa's traditionally been a, this is our guy we're going to get. Yeah. Our, um, they're very much in the old school way of thinking. Um, the NFL really did a good job of adopting the value charts. And I'm trying to remember what team it was, but I know there was a story going around that one of the teams had a hard time because they couldn't figure out if a trade was worth it or not, and they didn't have enough time to make the decision. And that was kind of the talk, was if they had the simple value chart with sort of what the actual value or the point system for what each pick is worth. Right. If somebody offers you a trade and you're getting more points, then you just make the trade because two second-round picks or a second, a third, and a fourth can be just as valuable as a first-round pick, but that mindset's not there, and that's... Unfortunate because especially a low-budget team, you you should be wanting to have as many lottery tickets as possible um, to find. And if you believe in the Senators' development in finding the Mark Stones of the world, finding the Mike Hoffmans, finding uh, the Claysons, and finding all these guys, then the more players they have to do that with, the better. So they should be trading down more because I do believe in their development system. Yeah, that, that's funny. I mean, I've, I've, I've never really thought of it like that. Um, yeah, you are putting putting faith in in their development system, and you know they praise themselves a lot. So you'd think that they would be interested in doing that, but they really don't. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a bit disappointing. You know, it's not a huge deal like not picking up an extra fifth round pick or something, but you know that fifth round pick pick could turn out to be Mike Hoffman. So I mean, you, you really never know. You do never know, and there's so many good stories of late-round picks coming up and making an impact. Ottawa's got a whole bunch of them all the time. Detroit's got a bunch of them. That was a different era um, when they had an advantage in their scouting and they were covering zones that weren't so widely covered back in the day. But again, back to the development thing, you just you don't know, and you have to have if you have faith in your system, you have faith in your guys. Just trade down and get as many players as possible, especially in a draft like this. Um, where there aren't guys either get into the top five and get one of the really good players or just get as many as you can. Right. Honestly, it's just a crapshoot. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, get as, get as many as you can. They're, they're all lottery picks, so you might as well try. Um, I think we can finish off there. Uh, but is there anything you want to tell the listeners about in, in terms of upcoming content from you? Yeah, the um, I'll be at the Sense Development Camp this weekend, so you can Go check that out. I'll be there. Uh, might do something for a site somewhere. Just kind of a quick write-up. I'm not sure. Uh, the other thing is McKean's. Uh, go to McKean's. Get the draft guide. Uh, follow up on your team's prospects that they got. You also get the yearbook with it. Uh, the uh, Ketseros wrote it's fantastic every year. And it comes with a three-month subscription. So uh, you're covered. Uh, go check that out, McKean's. Cool. That's it. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks for joining the Three Timers Club, Craig. Thanks, man. That's my first hat trick ever, so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care. Cheers, man. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and you can rate, rate and review in those places as well. If you don't already, for some reason, you can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS and read my articles at Silver7Cents. Hopefully there will be a, a few trades or signings to talk about for next episode, as I'll look to get a show recorded sometime after July 1st. That's all for me. Adios.